That was my special request song to share with you this morning to Christ the Lord. Let every tongue its noblest tribute bring. That's what we're here to do. That's what God has called us to, is to be worshipers of Him. As I was uh, considering my last morning being with you as your assistant pastor at Cross Creek, uh, I, I was thinking, I'm not very good at saying goodbye. I don't think many men are. I'm kind of the, see you later. I'll hopefully see you again, and you know, I'll be praying for you. And I will be praying for you as a church, and praying for you as I've known your lives, and praying for God's work and what He's been doing in each of your hearts that I've been able to see and been blessed with. But as I was thinking about it, I knew that my call to you was not simply to say goodbye and to give you all the sentimental—I don't know how to say it—sentimentalism of my heart, which is overflowing. But it was to continue what God has called me to, which is to charge you with one thing. It's to call you to the one thing that we are always about. And actually do this in the midst now. It's kind of interesting because we do this now in the midst of what we've seen this past week. Of tragedy, of loss, of death. Of homes being torn away from people. And it's in that contrast that we see it's all the more important that we know what it is that we are living for. And so my question to you this morning, as we look at God's Word, is what, it, what is it that you're living for? What is it that you're seeking? What is it that you're pursuing? What is it that you believe? If you just have this, then you will be happy. What is the treasure that you're valuing today? And does it matter? Does the, things, does the thing that you're pursuing, the things that you're pursuing... Do they matter? God's word today comes to us from Matthew 13. And Jesus calls our attention to the one thing that should matter. And I don't mean to be trite in the midst of tragedy. There's so many things going on in our hearts. that There's so many things that we want to talk about. There's so many things that we wish that we could uh, have spoken to us. And I can't address all those things, but I think there is one thing that we need to understand above all else. is that the kingdom of God is the treasure that's indestructible, everlasting, and of greatest value of all. And we see that as we look at Matthew 13. And I hope that you will see that this morning. Read with me. We're going to be reading uh, verses 44 through 46 in Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, whom finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Let's pray. Lord, what a bounty we have in your word. A bounty of comfort. A bounty of knowledge. A bounty of hope. And it's this morning that we come to you, Lord, 
And we seek in your word to be filled with that, to be filled with hope, to be filled with your grace, to be filled with your love, to be filled with your comfort. And yet, Lord, as we enter in to a time of, of reflection, a time of considering who we are, Lord, what we are pursuing, Lord, it becomes clear to us, Lord, that we've been feasting on the things that, that are passing. Lord, that we've laid up treasures that will go away one day. Lord, and in the midst of, of seeing others' loss, of feeling our own loss that we may have felt, Lord, we feel the hopelessness that comes when we put our trust, when we put our rest in what we can attain in this life and not in you. Lord, we want to live in the present reality and hope. We don't want to simply escape. We want to simply disassociate the things of this world. We want to live in the context of knowing our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we ask that you bring us close to that this morning, Lord. That you administer to our hearts through your word, through my mouth, as your servant. I ask these things in the name of Christ, our Savior. Amen. Well... I'm not inclined to share this with you this morning. Because what I wanted to share with you as I open up is, is actually a burden that's been sitting on my heart. And it's something that I'm not sure if I want you to feel like you have to carry as well. But I feel as I've been preparing and meditating over God's Word and, and thinking about what is the one thing I would love to say to the church of Cross Creek. The one thing I'd love to call you to out of God's Word I realized that what it was that God was laying up for me to tell to you was the thing that was actually burdening me. And I felt this the, the past few weeks have been going through just this distress of feeling the tension of what it is that I'm seeking. Am I seeking the kingdom of God? As we prepare to go to Mobile, that's what I'm asking. And I began to take account. I said, what, if, if this is what I'm telling Cross Creek, if this is what I'm telling the church, can I tell them to follow me in that call? Can I look at my life and say, this is what I'm doing, please come along with me. And it was frustrating. I wish I hadn't come to that point because I began to look at my life. I began to look at the way my, that my pocketbook looks, that's our spending accounts. I began to look at if I had made a timesheet of my life if I made a timesheet of all my different thoughts, and I began to see that I'm not sure that I'm seeking the kingdom of God as I am called to do. I began to think, if somebody was looking into my life, they would say that maybe, yes, he says that that's what he is seeking, that he says that's what he's pursuing, yet nothing seems to indicate it, or very little seems to indicate it. It almost seems nominal. And honestly, it wasn't until Wednesday that 
you know, when the storms hit and you begin to ask all these questions that run through your head, I don't know how much time you've had to actually process and think about and dwell on the destruction and loss that comes in. But it was at that time that I began to see that God's work in my own heart, in our own lives, was to bring me to this point of emptiness and to ask this question in the midst of what's happening, the destruction around us, that if all those things passed away in my own life, if all my house, all my home, everything went away, would I still find rest in the kingdom of God? Would I still find rest in my Savior, Jesus Christ? I think that's what God is calling us to this morning. As His church, we look at Matthew 13. The question comes to us as we read about these two men who give up everything because they find the treasure that's of eternal value. The question comes to us, are we ready to give everything for the kingdom of God? Are we ready to weigh the cost, to measure out what it means to follow God? What it means to rest in Christ. What it means to lay, those, lay the things aside and follow after Christ in our work, in our home, in our personal lives, wherever we are. To not simply relegate those things to Sunday, Sunday morning or to Sunday evening in life groups or to a Bible study, but to bring the kingdom of God into everything and in that way risk everything. To say that we are those who live for God. You see, the thing is, and this is the challenge that Christ gives to us when we ask this question, is that the kingdom of God is worth everything that must be paid for it. The kingdom of God is a treasure of incomparable worth. There are two points I want to, to bring us to this morning. First is to see that as we go, in, this, as we go in, in pursuit of the kingdom, first of all, it's a journey. It doesn't simply happen in one day. We don't get to the kingdom, we don't simply live for the kingdom in one immediate moment. It's not something that we acquire and we can say that we're there right now in time. Or that one sermon or one Bible study, again, one prayer puts us there. So it's a journey. And the second thing is, is that we need to understand the value of this treasure. We need to meditate. We need to measure out what it is that we would give everything for. So the first thing is we see it's a journey. We see it's a journey. And there's a search to the journey and there's a seeking that is, there's a search that begins on the day we're born, right? The day that we're born is the beginning of the search for the purpose of life. Now, as an infant, you don't have that question in your mind. As a child, you may not necessarily be having that question in your mind. But you see it as children begin to grow because the questions they begin to ask are all those why questions, right? The first questions that are meaningful that a child asks are, why does this happen? Why does this happen, Mommy? Why does this happen, Daddy? And this search for what is our purpose, for what we're to be doing, comes. And it's interesting, Jesus tells this to his disciples. He tells them about the kingdom, if you notice, in the story of, a, in a story, in a narrative. And it's Jesus relating to them that, okay, what this is going to look like is not simply something, I'm not just simply saying, live for the kingdom. I'm saying it happens in this kind of process. And he tells these two stories that are interesting the first one is a man working in a field. We don't really know what he's doing. I guess he's farming maybe. He might be grazing. You could actually graze other people's land for free, but it's not his land is what we know. Doesn't doesn't necessarily look like he's digging, but he might be doing that. But as he's going through the field, you see, he just stumbles upon this rich treasure. 
And when he stumbles upon the treasure, what does he do? He's been searching his whole life for different things. He's been searching for some food, maybe, or presumably, or, or some kind of uh, sustenance for his life, whether it was you know, digging up some other value treasure, important rocks or stones or something like that that he could trade. But when he found the treasure of incomparable worth, he knew it, right? That's the only reason he knows to go and sell everything he has, to go buy a field. And then Jesus tells us another parable, and it happens actually in a little different way. His search is actually an intentional search. The second guy is actually, he is a merchant. He's a, he's a vendor of pearls. And he's been going around his whole life, is what it seems, and he's been looking for the pearl of great value. He's been looking for this perfect, well, however big pearl it is. And when he finds it, he, simp- he recognizes it. And his search is complete, and he begins the pursuit after that thing. You know, the thing is, is, as we look at it, we have to realize that we come into this life again asking these quiet questions, but something, sometimes what happens is that as we go on, we stop the search, don't we? We stop looking. We start closing our eyes and keeping our, or keeping our head to the ground and begin our path of whatever we have determined is the treasure that we are after. We have to have our eyes open to understand I don't know if y'all, watch, if y'all watched a movie thinking about all the bloopers or the miscues that happen in a movie. But usually you watch a movie, I don't really notice anything. But a couple times people have told me about you know, certain movies where there's bloopers or whatever, and you watch the movie, and you start looking for those things, and you begin to see all the different things that aren't right. Especially if you watch a timepiece movie that's supposed to be set in a certain time. Is there any time where they're out in public in the streets where the cars are going by? If you ever look in the background, almost always, you know, a movie set in like 1940 that was made last year, there's probably like a Toyota Prius driving by in the background. I'm pretty sure they don't have those. But the thing is, is that you don't recognize that until you begin to look for it. And one of the things that Jesus is telling us is that these men, they had eyes that were open. They were looking for something. And when they came upon the treasure that they were seeking, they recognized it. We have to have our eyes open. We have to be those who are searching. We have to be looking for the opportunities to serve and look where we can live in the kingdom of God. Because those who are called, as those who are in the church, we may say that we already have open eyes, but sometimes we still continue with our feet, or with our eyes navel-gazing. And we stop looking for the opportunities to live out the kingdom of God. And we see that pretty clearly, obviously, now that There are opportunities to serve in the kingdom. And yet sometimes even then we keep our eyes focused inward. But it's more than that, isn't it? It's more than just seeing. Going after the kingdom of God is more than just seeing. It's also pursuing. We must be those who are pursuing the kingdom of God. Once we've seen it, we go after it. So again, going back to the the, uh, guy in the field and the merchant. They see... Their treasure. They recognize it. They know what it is. And you see what happens when they recognize it. They don't actually have the treasure right there, do they? You know, kind of thought is when we skim over this is like, oh, they see it and they find it and it's there. Oh, they got it. No, they actually have to go, and we don't get the whole filled in story. Jesus is just telling a brief parable, but they have to go and sell everything. Imagine what this is like. Imagine finding something that you know is of incredible. Comparable worth, and it's sitting there in a thrift store. 
but it's got, a, it's got a high price. You're going to have to go sell everything you have. But the thing is, it's sitting in a thrift store, and a bunch of other people are coming by and seeing it. And so these guys had to actually go out, sell everything they had at the risk of somebody else coming in and taking those things. But that's what they understood about the treasure they were seeking, that it was worth the risk. That's worth the risk of everything. So they sell everything they have in order to buy it. Yeah, and this is where the call becomes really hard for us, isn't it? The call to the kingdom becomes a great weight of burden that we're going to have to give everything for it. I mean, the message is simple when you read the parable. When you read the parables, you've got to sell everything for the kingdom of God. What do we do with this? Calvin, reflecting on this, he actually says, it is necessary that we abandon every other possession it, no, he says, is it necessary that we abandon every other possession in order that we may enjoy eternal life? The natural meaning of the words is that the gospel does not receive from us the respect which it deserves. He's saying what Jesus is doing is challenging us because every day what we have done is say, no, I'd rather have this in the kingdom of God. And he's saying that the parable is putting us to this point of saying, would you give it? He says, unless we prefer it to all riches, pleasures, honors, advantages of the world, to such an extent that we are satisfied with the spiritual blessings which it promises and throw aside everything that would keep us from enjoying them, then we don't understand it. If your inclination when we read this parable, when we begin to talk about this, is to say, this couldn't mean like we actually have to give up everything. I mean, that's what comes to my mind. I begin to, uh, begin to explain to myself, okay, this doesn't mean I have to actually give up everything. It's interesting, as I was thinking about that, that inclination, however true or right it may be, re- begins to reveal something about our hearts, doesn't it? Because we begin that response, and it's actually the, the uh, revealing to us that, no, we're not ready to give everything. To the kingdom of God, we don't see it as this great treasure yet. That we aren't ready to sacrifice and lay down our lives that the kingdom of God would flourish. I sent, an, uh, this is kind of funny, I sent an email, and I don't know if any of the guys in our mortification study, we're reading this book, The Mortification of Sin, uh, in a Bible study. And it talks about mortifying sin, putting sin to death. Very fun topic, very interesting. And I sent out this email saying that we weren't going to meet one week, but we would take a week off. So I said, you could take a, you could take a week off mortification. And I kind of joked because, you know, immediately it comes to your head, a week off mortification. What would that be like? And we had just talked about the week before that one of the things that Owen draws us to, that John Owen is the author of this book, he actually says that if you, if you're, uh, if you could take, he essentially says, if you aren't always pursuing mortification, then you're not really doing it at all. And I began to think that when we have this kind of initial response of, man, wouldn't that be great? I could do whatever I want. It's a, it's a revelation to us that we, we haven't truly mortified sin in our lives. Because we actually prefer the sin than, versus uh, preferring Christ. And it's the same thing here. If our inclination is to kind of run to this point of saying, defending ourselves, I don't have to go give everything today, okay? I can follow the kingdom of God and not have to give everything. If that's our initial response, again, I'm not saying it's wrong, but it reveals something very quickly about our hearts that we're not ready to give it. That we haven't weighed the cost of the kingdom of God such that we would 
we have a weight, the value of the kingdom of God is such that we would really give everything for it. And that's the second thing we need to see. We have a very, very, very high call to the one thing, the kingdom of God, living in the kingdom of God. That's what the church is about. But we're not going to do that. We're not going to pursue that unless we understand the value of it. Unless we understand it as the treasure. It's a, such a high value that it demands everything. One of the uh, parental lessons that I learned the hard way that, you know, is your parents tell you different things. You, they give you kind of that wisdom of life. There are certain things that they tell you you have to do. There are certain things that they tell you you should do. I still remember my dad and actually my father-in-law as well telling me as Leslie and I got married and I started to acquire tools that you should save up and get the good tools. Don't go, buy, don't go buy the cheap tools. You'll always be disappointed. Well, you know, when you get married, you don't have a lot of money. And so I said, well, I need a drill, and I got a drill. I need a weed eater, I got a weed eater. I learned these lessons the hard way. I'm on my fourth weed eater, by the way. Six years, I've owned weed eaters. The first three, every single one seized up. I kept going back to get, I was like, well, this time it'll work. This time it'll work. And I kept buying the cheap one. Now I have a $200 weeder that I only paid about $600 for effectively. (laughs) My dad had told me that you get what you pay for. And I didn't really believe him. You get what you pay for, and I didn't believe him. And now I understand. I have a weeder that's actually worked two years in a row. It's pretty amazing. That's one of the things that we're being drawn to. It's understand that what we put into the kingdom of God is what we get out. If you're putting a million bucks into the kingdom of God, you're going to get a million bucks out. And I hate to say, but a million dollars out of the kingdom of God is nothing. Sometimes we talk about the gospel as if, if we do enough things, if we, if we act out enough faith, then we will get in return what we put in. And so we begin to give, and we begin to give in expe- expectation, but what we don't realize is that we haven't given our hearts. We've just, given of our, uh, we've just given of our physical things. And what Christ is calling us to is not just to give some things, but to give everything that we may receive the kingdom of God. I think this is what trust really means when we talk about trusting in Christ, faith in Christ. We're actually talking about a complete surrender. A complete surrendering over to Christ. We're not talking about just being good at tithing. We're not talking about being a good volunteer. We're talking about giving everything. Mark 8, if you flip over to there, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? Jesus is saying that you can gain the whole world. And yet if you forfeited your soul, it does nothing. It does nothing. It's no profit to gain the world and yet pass in the kingdom of God. How can he mean this except for to say that the kingdom of God is the only thing that will hold its value? So what is it? 
It's got to really have value. It's more than even gaining the whole world. What is it? What exactly does it mean to gain the kingdom of God? It's this last point that I think really begins to show us the value of the kingdom. For we see the value of the kingdom when we look at our king, who is Christ. With Jesus, we see that the kingdom has come. With God becoming man, with God drawing near to his people, what is the kingdom? What is the thing worth giving everything for? It's to be in the kingdom of a God who wants to be with his people. With a God who is drawing near to his people, who identifies and knows our suffering. It's amazing. Christ, who was God, who was with the Father, he comes into a world that's bound and is perishable. But what does he do? He brings imperishable hope of redemption and restoration. You see, the thing is, as Christ is talking to his disciples, he's kind of saying, okay, y'all have come, come to me from different places. Some of y'all were looking for somebody to follow. Some of y'all were just kind of stumbling upon. But the treasure of the kingdom is right before you. And he's calling them to a discipleship.